everyone, and welcome to the January 27th edition of the WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Fols, an attorney with the Floyd Scarron Law Firm. Thanks for joining us today. So let's get started with our litigation report. The Court of Appeal ruled that the substantial evidence standard applies to appeals of OSHA claims. Here's what happened in the partially published case of Nolte Sheet Metal Incorporated versus Occupational Safety and Health Appeals Board. Nolte Sheet Metal fabricates air conditioning ducts. In 2014, Cal OSHA inspected the company's shop and issued citations for various violations. The company filed an appeal with the Occupational Safety and Health Appeals Board. The administrative law judge concluded that the evidence supported the violations underlying the challenge citations. So the company filed a petition for reconsideration, but the board upheld the ALJ's determination. The company then filed a petition for writ of administrative mandamus, but the Fresno County Superior Court denied the relief. In its appeal, To the Court of Appeals, the company advanced several arguments, including one, that the court should have exercised its independent judgment when it reviewed the appeals board's decision. The Court of Appeal affirmed the order in the partially published decision. The issue was the application of what is known as the substantial evidence rule on the appeal of a case. They reviewed a Supreme Court case called Tex-Cal Land Management versus the Agricultural Labor Relations Board. In that case, the Supreme Court held that the legislature may accord finality to the findings of a statewide agency that are supported by substantial evidence on a record considered as a whole. Whether or not the California Constitution provides for that agency's exercising judicial power provided that there are safeguards. These safeguards include the separation of prosecutorial from adjudicatory functions. It requires notice, written pleadings, evidentiary hearings, and a requirement that orders be accompanied by findings based on the preponderance of the reported evidence. In view of the Tex-Cal case, the Court of Appeal concluded that the Superior Court properly applied the substantial evidence of review of the case. And the Court of Appeal also ruled that a compromise and release resignation properly resolved the worker's wrongful termination claim. In that case, Denise Kennedy filed a civil action against Union Bank which alleged various claims arising out of her former employment with a bank. While on disability leave, her position was eliminated as part of a region-wide restructuring by Union Bank. She was informed that she remained an employee while on leave and would be eligible for consideration to fill alternative positions through Union Bank's job posting leave program once she was released back to work without restrictions or with permanent restrictions. She alleged that the failure to pay her severance or allow her to return to her previous position on a modified schedule constituted disability discrimination and an effective termination. But she admitted in her deposition that she settled her workers' compensation claim in 2016 
and at that time agreed to submit a voluntary resignation from employment as part of that settlement. Excerpts from her deposition, including this admission, were successfully used by the employer in a motion for summary judgment, which the trial court granted. The Court of Appeal agreed in the unpublished case of Kennedy v. Union Bank. The evidence was sufficient to negate any claims premised upon the existence of a termination, as it showed that plaintiff was not terminated and instead voluntarily resigned her employment with Union Bank. Absent a threshold factual showing of a termination, there can be no claim for wrongful termination and no claim that plaintiff was terminated due to discriminatory motives or impermissible retaliation. And now our crime report, a joint effort by the Orange County District Attorney's Office and the California Department of Insurance has shut down an alleged $3.2 million health care fraud ring. The ring preyed on vulnerable substance abuse patients in order to bilk an insurance company out of millions of dollars. Five individuals have been charged with multiple felony counts, including insurance fraud and money laundering, in connection with the scheme. They are accused of finding patients across the country who are seeking help for substance use recovery and flying them to California to enter treatment at Casa Bella International, Inc., which was owned and operated by one of the defendants. In order to obtain payment from the insurance company for these patients, employees were directed to fill out policies for the patients using false information. They are accused of lying on the insurance application stating the patients lived in California when in actuality the addresses were for employees or business related to the co-conspirators. Some of the co-conspirators were paid more than $10,000 per patient who stayed enrolled in the treatment for more than 30 days. The defendants are also accused of developing a massive money laundering scheme in which they filtered money through a nonprofit known as Stop Before You Start. A doctor and one of the former owners of the Pacific Hospital of Long Beach was sentenced to 15 months in federal prison. He was convicted of taking part in a long-running health care fraud scheme where he authorized sham contracts that concealed over $30 million in illegal kickback payments to physicians who steered spinal surgeries to his hospital. The overall scheme resulted in more than $900 million in fraudulent billing being submitted primarily to the California Workers' Compensation System. The doctor was Faustino Bernadette, a 65-year-old who lived in Rolling Hills. He was sentenced and also ordered to pay a $60,000 fine on top of a $1 million penalty that he forfeited. Dr. Bernadette was a board-certified anesthesiologist and pain management physician, but he retired his license last year and pleaded guilty last August to misprison of a felony. The kickback scheme centered on the Pacific Hospital in Long Beach, which specialized in surgeries, especially spinal and orthopedic procedures. 
Pacific Hospital's owner, Michael D. Drobot, conspired with doctors, chiropractors, and marketers to pay kickbacks in return for the referral of thousands of patients for spinal surgeries and other medical services paid for primarily through workers' comp. Bernadette purchased the Pacific Hospital from Mr. Drobot back in 2005. Under the terms of the sale, Drobot guaranteed to Bernadette that 75 spinal surgeries would occur per month and would be performed at the Pacific Hospital. Bernadette later learned that Drobot was making illegal kickback payments. But instead of putting a halt to Drobot's kickback scheme, Bernadette authorized the continued use of Drobot's sham contracts to incentivize surgical referrals to his hospital. By the time Bernadette sold his interest in Pacific Hospital back to Drobot, the scheme made more than $30 million in illicit payments to kickback recipients and performed about 1,400 kickback-induced spinal fusion surgeries. 24 defendants have been charged in connection with the scheme, and 15 of them have been convicted, including Drobot and his son. Drobot is serving a five-year prison sentence for conspiracy and paying illegal kickbacks. Drobot currently awaits sentencing after pleading guilty to breaking additional federal laws by violating a court forfeiture order by illegally selling his luxury cars. Former Los Angeles County Sheriff's Deputy Angel Reynosa has been charged with falsely reporting that he had been shot by a sniper while in the parking lot of the Lancaster Sheriff's Station. It was reported that Reynosa's life was saved because he'd been wearing a bulletproof vest and the deflected bullet just grazed his shoulder. Lancaster Station personnel deployed massive resources to search the surrounding neighborhood for a suspect. But within a few days, investigators learned that Reynosa had completely fabricated the entire incident, and there was no sniper, no shots fired, and no injury sustained by Reynosa. A short time later, Reynosa was fired by the Sheriff's Department, and the investigation was presented to the District Attorney's Office for consideration of filing criminal charges. So the DA's office then filed three counts against Reynosa and a warrant was issued for his arrest. All charges are pertaining to his workers' compensation claim. He was arrested, transported, and booked at the county jail inmate reception center, where his bail was set for $40,000. Egisto Salerno, a medical doctor practicing in San Diego, pleaded guilty to illegal opioid distribution. He admitted that he signed bogus prescriptions for multiple deceased or incarcerated patients. According to his plea agreement, Salerno admitted he illegally distributed nearly 79,000 hydrocodone pills. Hydrocodone is an opioid pain medication commonly known as Norco or Vicodin. Salernos also admitted that an undercover federal agent who visited his clinic on six occasions received six hydrocodone prescriptions containing Salerno's signature. 
In a separate instance, a prescription was written in the name used by the undercover agent and that Salerno completed and signed a progress note in the patient's chart for a purported visit that did not occur. Salerno used his medical practice on El Cajon Boulevard in San Diego to carry out this criminal activity. Salerno also admitted that he pre-signed prescriptions and often allowed his non-physician employees to complete those prescriptions, and that his signature appeared on at least five prescriptions made out in a patient's name that were issued and filed more than a year after the patient died. Salerno is the seventh defendant to enter a guilty plea in connection with the pending case that flowed from the investigation. Each of the defendants is awaiting sentencing. The plea agreements show that paid patient recruiters were bringing patients, many of whom were homeless, to Salerno's office to secure hydrocodone prescriptions. After the prescriptions were written, the patients were brought to pharmacies to fill them. These patients turned over their hydrocodone tablets to the recruiters in exchange for cash payment. And in some instances, recruiters picked up the tablets from the pharmacies themselves. The hydrocodone pills were being sold by the lead recruiter in San Diego and were also smuggled into Mexico and sold to a pharmacy there. And in regulatory news, the Workers' Compensation Insurance Rating Bureau of California has released its physical medicine treatments and their impact on opioid use and lost time in California workers' compensation study. The study reveals insights into the overall trends and patterns of physical medicine, treatment, cost, and utilization, and quantifies the potential substitution between physical medicine and opioid use early in the life of a claim, and their effects on lost time in the job. Starting in 2014, the four-year transition to the resource-based relative value scale, that's the RBRVS, physician fee schedule, increased reimbursement for most types of primary care treatment. Since then, physical medicine, including physical therapy, chiropractic care, and acupuncture has experienced a continuous increase. Recent legislation has also encouraged medical providers to treat injured workers with non-opioid drugs and physician services. For example, some legislation removed the requirement of prospective utilization review for certain medical services such as physical medicine that are provided within the first 30 days of an injury. Meanwhile, the number of opioid prescriptions as well as the payments for opioids per claim has plummeted since 2012. Key findings in the study showed that the average medical payment for physical medicine continued to rise from 2013 to 2018. Overall soft tissue injury claims involving physical therapy during the first 30 days of initial medical visits were less likely to involve opioid use within one year of the injury. Soft tissue claims involving early physical therapy were significantly less likely to involve opioid use and among soft tissue claims involving opioid use, those with early physical therapy had significantly lower doses of opioids prescribed within one year of the injury. Those with early physical therapy were significantly less likely 
also to have a lost time component. The full study is available in the research section of the WCIRB website. And in other news, TriStar, the largest privately owned independent third-party claims administrator in the United States, has agreed to acquire Aspen Risk Management Group. Aspen delivers workplace safety standalone or as part of loss control or ergonomics. The group works to identify risk and opportunities using a combination of technology and human insight. It says its solutions can significantly reduce both the frequency and severity of losses. In addition to its risk control services, Aspen provides remote ergonomics, online service platforms, and specialty services for both commercial and governmental clients. This acquisition is a significant step forward in establishing strategic TriStar presence in the loss control and workplace safety market. The president of TriStar said that Aspen's reputation and extensive experience in both the insurance and self-insurance space are a natural addition to the TriStar family. All Aspen employees will continue operating out of the existing locations under the name Aspen Risk Management Group, a TriStar company. So that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news, podcasts, and special reports using your iPhone, your iPad, or your Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. We also publish our daily news, podcasts, and other utilities on our free WorkCompApps.com smartphone app. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd Scarin Manukian Langevin. Thanks for joining us today. Please drop by again next week for more news.